Operator Syndrome, episode 36, up to 36 now. Um, we're going to take some more listener questions. So um, and we've got a good number of these. So if you've submitted some and you don't hear them, or if you hand delivered them to me in, in a certain case, then, um, then we're going to get to that. But we'll, we'll do what we can. So uh, we're just going to take some just general listener questions and, and we'll answer them, do the best we can. So the first one is, what's a day in the life look like for a SEAL and or Ranger platoon? And so maybe we break it up. So what's it like being back at home station? What's like, what is, what is your average day look like as a, as a SEAL? Yeah. Okay. And, and by the way, just thank you for the questions. I, I just want to, they're good. And, and you all give us encouraging comments. So uh, that makes us feel good. Um, and keep them coming. Operator syndrome podcast at gmail.com. So send those our way and we, we will address them in turn. Yeah, I saw this question and it's a good one. Um, a gentleman uh, kind of maybe uh, kind of wondering to feel out the space of, if I remember correctly, this is a gentleman in the 82nd Airborne. Um, 82nd Airborne. Anyway, uh, yeah, so SEAL versus, or not versus, but SEAL, a SEAL life versus a Ranger life. Okay, um, well, once you make it through training, and that's a long process, mm -hmm. it's... Uh, you know, Navy boot camp, and then, then off to buds. Actually, I don't know. I, I, yeah, off to buds, and then they have pre buds training, which is I don't know how long it is now, and then buds, and then another year of ATT or STT. That they change them all the time, but it's another highly high level tactical training that that before you ever get your trident and become a fully qualified SEAL and go to a platoon which is where you start working. So the basic unit for a SEAL is the platoon level. Uh, you have multiple SEAL teams, teams on the West Coast, teams on the East Coast. And, um, and, and I'm talking about a regular SEAL team now. I'm not talking about the National Asset Unit or the, the Tier 1 unit that, that is Navy side. Um, so I'm talking about a regular SEAL team. Um, it's, it's on the platoon level uh, that you operate and that you train um, most of the time, like until you get to a platoon, it, that's a little different. But once you get to a platoon, you train together as a platoon. Um, a platoon is divided into two squads, two eight-man squads. At least that's what it was in my day. And um, those squads work sometimes together, sometimes separately. Depends on the operation and what it calls for. Um, and I could say for starters, uh, for a SEAL, in, in a platoon doing the normal deed, it is training, 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 training uh, almost every day. Uh, <clears throat> if, you're in, if you're in the San Diego area, if you're in the West Coast, if you're in Virginia Beach area um, on the East Coast, if you're training within the area so maybe you're at the shooting range maybe you're doing an ocean swim there at virginia beach or there in coronado then most of the time on a training cycle you've got the weekends off usually well it just depends but usually you're home maybe by five six if you're lucky fridays we usually try to take the day off a little early if, if everybody's just we just have a normal 
going home for the weekend kind of thing. Now that doesn't, there, you, you, you might have to stand watch. Uh, you might have to do this or that. So it's not a, always a given. But that's when you're in the area um, training. So PT, swims, you might be doing a dive. Like we, we don't always have to go to a special school to do a dive. We can do it right there in the San Diego Bay. It's, and and we're, always, we're always just training for proficiency. So that if we're called on to do a combat swimmer ship attack, we just put on the gear and do it like we've done a million times. We don't have to rethink everything. And so that's why so much training and the cycling in because, and, and I'll say this for the seals. And this is probably one of the differences between seals and Rangers uh, on, on that level. I think seals, I think it's safe to say we probably do a wider variety of direct action types of strikes. I've never heard of a Ranger platoon getting on a dragger rig and doing a ship attack in other words that's top secret yeah, yeah. that's yeah, top right <laughs> level 14 classified yeah we, we might do a yeah like we, we might do an insertion jumping out of a c-130 with rubber boats that are on these big cargo chutes at night and we'll just the, the the boats will go rolling out of the plane and the the things will inflate you have engines and weapons and explosives and whatever the mission calls for in the boat and that's called a rubber duck that we call it and then we jump out with parachutes we fly down try to get as close to the thing as we can and um de-rig it rig it up put the engine on all this stuff and um take off and go do our do our mission um, that's probably pretty specific to the SEALs. I, I don't think there's a whole lot. I mean, maybe special forces could do it or have done it. Yeah, on like a... dive. I think dive, yeah. dive teams probably do that. And then yeah. it seems like reconnaissance Marines. I yes, I, that's I've right. Seen, you know, sizzle reels of them doing something similar, but yeah, yeah from, yeah, for yeah, Rangers, we don't, we don't dive. Um, yeah. 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 yeah th that's true. And recon does have people who are dive qualified. It's just that in, in force recon and in special forces, it's not everybody is dive qualified. Yeah. They just specific. Well, I, yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I defer to you. I, I know in the, uh, in the, in a special forces company, I believe mm -hmm. that uh, they just have one dive ODA. So one ODA will be designated a dive team and you've got to like, uh, I guess you gotta, I guess they don't, they don't go out. Of, I guess SF dudes don't go out of their way to join the dive team. They're right. just as afraid of water as everyone else. <laughs> so like, yeah. so it's a special individuals volunteer for that, for that team. I talked to a lot of special forces guys when I was at two different, pretty long schools out at Fort Bragg. And we talked a lot about diving and it was not everybody's cup of tea. In fact, most guys are like, you can have it. I, I, they called the dregger, the death rig. <laughs> so <laughs> It is well, a very, I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, it can, it can get you into some trouble. It's tricky. Yeah. We're not supposed to be under there that long. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, right. it's not supposed to. Work. And then I think also, I think they, and they also have free fall teams. So I mean, yeah. I think that's very interesting that those capabilities in like the special forces, the army special forces is spread across teams. Whereas I know for SEALs now, they try to like jam pack every capability into a single person in the teams, SEAL teams. Yeah. It's a lot. And maybe we're jacks of all trade, masters of none, but we do a lot of training. And so, so back to that, A, you're going to be on the road a lot. Okay. So, and I just say, if you want to be home with your wife and kids 
every night and, and you, you're really a family guy, you might want to consider it because you're just going to be on the road so much. It's, it's really hard. It's hard enough to raise a family when you're home every night and have a great marriage and all that. But boy, when you're deployed constantly and then, and I'm talking about when you're in the state stateside, you're going to Montana for mountain. You're going to Alaska for winter warfare. You're going to Panama for jungle out at Nyland in the desert. Nobody's coming with you out there. You're, you're, you're not going home on the weekends. You're there for a month, let's say doing um, CQB or something like that. So it's a lot of being on the road. And then after being on the road for like a year, year and a half workup, which we call it, then you're going to deploy for six months somewhere in the world. And you're going to be downrange for six months. Um, so, just keep that in mind because it's just training, training, training until, until combat arises. And then you're in combat and you're going, you're going to combat and it's almost guaranteed for Rangers and seals. You're there were our top direct acts. Those are the, I would say, if you've said who are the top two direct action, special operations units would be Rangers and seals. Now there's others, there's, there's plenty of others, but you're, you're headed to the guns. Let's put it that way. Um, then I'd also say along that line, uh, and, and this is probably somewhat different from, from the life of a ranger. And I'll, I'll, after this, I'll just kick it back to Patrick and because we don't, we only have so much time here. Um, you're going to, you better, um, prepare yourself if, if, should you choose to go that direction for a lot of time in cold water. I mean, we just do it. We call it cold, wet, and miserable. And um, man, you just you if you don't like cold water, I would do something else. <laughs> I don't like cold water either, but I guess I could tolerate it. I like the job enough to where I could tolerate it enough to where it was still worth it for me. But it was always miserable, and nobody ever liked it. And um, you know, nowadays it's funny because I have friends that do the polar bear plunge, and and you know, in the winter time, and they get get naked and jump in the cold water and they're like, Oh, that was cool. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not getting paid to do that anymore. And, um, you want to talk about the Bahamas or Bora Bora? Okay. Warm, warm water. I love it. And I love to snorkel. I love to scuba dive only where it's warm. <laughs> I do not like the cold. So that to say a lot, a lot of cold, wet and miserable days and nights in the, in the SEAL teams. Yeah. It takes me a good, 10 minutes to ease myself into any ocean or pool <laughs> hotel pool yeah so that tells you where i am on that um you know i'll go I'll, I'll even go real granular here for a day in the life um back stateside i'll i'll choose like a wednesday on some random so same thing you know we work we work off of a training calendar so you have a you have a good idea of what you need to prep for during your training. We call it training cycle. Seals call it a workup, but you have a good idea of what those things are, and so you can plan accordingly. Um, so if let's say, let's say uh, if I pick a random Wednesday before some major event, and the major event might be you know individual individual skills or platoon squad squad movement squad live fires platoon live fires. Uh, airfield seizure all that kind of stuff so just choose some random day you come in early it's still the army for us so we still wake up early um and we get in a formation we get in our pretty little lines and we stand there and they report in and all accounted for and then um we do a squad 
okay, okay. At, during my time, also, let me do the disclaimer. In yeah. my time, you do squad PT. You know, back then in the aughts, um, we still were pretty, we were in a transition period in our physical fitness. You know, like we, um, you know, the main, you basically did two things for PT and it depended on what your squad leader was good at. So if your squad leader was a runner, you probably just ran. Yeah. You just run around where we were for bending. Your squad leader liked to lift, you'd be lifting um, and so on and so forth. So it was squad level PT most of the time. You run off, you do that for like an hour. I can't remember what time we'd show up. It was like 06. Does that sound right? Does that sound military enough? So like 06, you work out for an hour, 07, then you change, you shower, and then you'd go eat. And we'd all eat as a squad. So every morning we'd go. Um, we'd go and we'd eat at the, the dining facility managed by Rangers. So Rangers, you know, were the cooks there, you'd go and eat, eat pretty well. And then you'd come back, um, you come back and start your day, you know, like eight, I don't know, eight, eight, nine o'clock, you're starting the work day. Um, and so if this was leading up to a training event, you've got equipment you need to, to look into, to, to make sure it's serviceable. You got to pack things up. Um, if you're in the army, you definitely know about layouts. Rangers still do layouts just like everybody else. Um, so, you know, you're laying out equipment, you're doing accountability, sensitive items, inventories. We got to do those too. In fact, it probably sucks more because we got cooler stuff than some other units. So we've got more sensitive items that need to be accounted for. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, throughout the day you might do, you know, we always call it just like hip pocket training, right? It's like, cause that's really how Rangers, you know, a lot of rangering is on the job training. It's OJT. So it's a team leader grabbing their new guys when you don't have anything to do right there in that moment and to go show them how, Hey, this is how we, this is how we clear a room. This is how we breach. This is how we do it. And you are just doing that around the, uh, around the company area. So you might set up class houses and, um, and I don't think any of this is unique to just the Rangers. I think, you know, many conventional army units, especially in our time when everyone was deploying and everyone knew had that lingering over them or, you know, upcoming combat over them. I think everyone was doing that. So nothing really that unique. Um, and then you do your work day and, uh, you go eat lunch, usually eat lunch together. I mean, doing everything together was like a big thing. I'm aware of some parts of the army where it's almost like a nine to five. You check in, you check out, you go to lunch on your own, you do this on your own. Like you couldn't do that. Like you couldn't just be like, Oh, I need some me time. It's like, no, you're part of the squad. (laughs) You're, you're eating with us. You're doing this with us. Unless there was something special going on, like you had an appointment or something. Uh, And then we'd probably leave, you know, back then it felt like it was late. Like we'd leave like five, six o'clock at night, you know? And back then, and there are times, and there are times where you've got nothing to do. You're waiting for the word, right? You're just sort of sitting around, you're goofing off. And there's a little bit of that too, but five, six, and then you get, and we'll talk about it later, but you get out into the real world, real world. And it's like, well, that's a work day, dude. So like, (laughs) like real people work, real people work way later than that all the time. But that's a normal, and that's a normal day, a low key day. But in terms of like, you know, you get into the training cycle. And you deserve that time off, sort of, you know, you'd call it, you know, you may feel like there's not a lot laid on for the day and it's kind of up to you to manage. And that's good because, you know, 
three weeks later, you're doing like a 24 hour evolution where you're taking over an airfield, you know, and you're not, you're not getting any sleep and you're, you're awake or, or like you said, you're traveling, you know, we travel as well. We travel for some of our bigger things, live fires and, and that, and, and there were some, and especially during that time, um, we wouldn't try to go too far because I mean, there's just so much training and compacted in a short time. So similar in that way, but yeah, we would focus on sort of just like the bread and butter of what Rangers do. We didn't have to worry about rigging boats and dive equipment and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what about P- PT for seals? Yeah. Would you yeah. do that individually or you guys at your, during your time, would you all do that individually or you all as a, as a squad or a platoon or what? Yeah, both, both actually that's another thing that yeah we pt a lot mm-hmm. a whole lot um i i would say probably up there with anybody else i could imagine as far as time pt and mm-hmm. we usually spend a couple hours like right after muster which is i forgot what it was oh seven hundred something like that mm-hmm. um we usually didn't eat we we would pt before we ate which i think a lot of people probably do because it's just the kind of pt we were doing you didn't want a bunch of big heavy stomach or food you might have a power bar a gatorade or an energy drink or something and head out we would pt as a platoon almost it depended on where we were but if we were in the team in the coronado area team five where i was it would be either and it might be all of the above we did a lot of running on the beach uh fast running on the beach um swimming we would do a lot of times we would do run swims uh we would a lot of times either do a run or a swim on fridays a lot of times we would do like run swim obstacle course um and our obstacle course is the same one that the buds guys run and um it is tough it's a butt kicker so we go on say a four to six mile run do a mile ocean swim out and back and then run the obstacle course and then jog for cool down jog for a couple miles or a mile Um, that would be typical on a on a on a regular pt day then after like patrick was saying it's kind of the same if if things are just kind of we're just field day in our equipment getting ready for a dive looking over all of our gear um, we could kind of had some time to kind of do what we wanted. Um, I, I sometimes would go, like say we're doing a big training operation the next day uh, in in the area. Um, so we're prepping. If 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 all my checklist was done and I got my gears good to go, then I had time off. Um, I may go lift weights. Uh, we we did a lot of lifting lifting weights. Now a lot a lot more. It's it's all chains. It's CrossFit. We there wasn't no such thing as that back then. A lot of guys are doing CrossFit. I would do, I would go to train in jujitsu. Um, um, and then I might go to the airloft and pack parachutes or talk to the guys there and just talk area operations and stuff like that. So, but, but when we, when we hit the road on a, like a combat swimmer course, we went up to say Bangor, Washington to the Navy base up there. Now we're talking, we're not getting off at five or six at night. We're diving most of the night and getting in late, you know fielding our gear cleaning it up and then the sun's coming up sometimes when we're hitting the rack and getting up early to get prepped for another dive so it's a lot of work and i always tell guys if you don't like to work and work hard i mean sometimes you get to play hard but when you're really in a psych a cyclic platoon training man it's it's working in pt and 
training and PT in a lot, all the time. So yeah, when you do get time off on the weekends, it's just sit, eat a pizza and sit back and watch a movie because you're exhausted. Pretty much awesome. That's, and I've heard that from so many people. And I, and I, I, I met a guy who was in first ranger battalion after I got out, we were both in, we were both working at the same consulting firm. And, uh, he once even said, I was like, so what do you do? Like, what do you do in like in your free time? He's like, you know, guys like us, we don't do anything. Yeah. It's absolutely true. It almost becomes like a habit. Like there, you get guys on Instagram or whatever that are living their best lives. You know, they still jump and dive and do whatever. But most of us yeah. carry on that, that same sort of mentality before where it was like, like the weekends you're recovering from work. And so you don't do anything. You're just yeah. a lazy piece of crap just sitting there. Hopefully you work out. Hopefully you spend time with your family. But you default to, it's almost like your body defaults to like, this is my rest time. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm locked into resting. Like, I don't want to go apple picking. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Like, this is my time because I'm prepping for the week coming up. And I still fight that even now, however many years later. Yeah. uh, But yeah, we would, towards the end of the time, we would do the same thing. Like, if there's nothing going on, you know, when I was first there, it wasn't common for you to work out twice. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, it was like, there's your workout time. You do it with the squad. By the time I was leaving, we were like easing up on that. And also we were getting a lot more resources for Mm -hmm. like, physical and physiology we're getting you know all kinds of enablers around and better gym equipment and all this funding came out of nowhere and so and so by the end it would be like you probably worked out twice a day oh, yeah easy. work out as a squad and then as and then usually it'd be like a team or maybe even individually you work out in the afternoon which was great which i was happy to see yeah um, when i was getting ready just last comment when i was getting ready for dev group i was getting ready to go to green team and my buddy who also had orders the green team, we were working out at least three times a day hard. I mean, platoon workouts or whatever in the morning for a couple hours, weights during our lunch break and just grabbing some stuff, real healthy food, scarfing it. And then we were doing long swims and runs in the evening and pull-ups and lots of calisthenics. So, but that, that wasn't, I did that was three times a day, every day, mm-hmm. even on the weekends, maybe twice and on the weekends, but we, it was, it was insane amount of, of, of PT. But yeah, if you were, if you were to look at a ranger and like on, on like September 11th, 2001, if you were to look at what the average ranger looked like and then look at like the average ranger, probably like, you know, let's say today, mm-hmm. it's like, you're looking at two very different types of, of, yeah. of people. no, you know, nothing, no offense to, to the right. earlier guys, but it's like, it, it definitely changed the, the, the funding and the mentality changed to where like, you look at these guys and they're freaking monsters. Yeah. Same <laughs> in the seals. Same in the monsters. Seals. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Next question. Next question. Good. Um, uh, are the seals, are the seals, the youngest special operations unit that'll take in people? I, I guess the question yeah. is kind of like, and, and their follow-ups are kind of around age. And I think uh, Ranger, or excuse me, so SEALs will take people off the street. In fact, you yeah. almost primarily take folks off the street, right? Yeah, and, I went in at 18. Enlisted, we're talking about. Yeah, enlisted, yeah. correct. So yeah. enlisted, so you can be, probably, so as, as early as you can enlist, you can go to Buzz. There's no That's age. That's right. Same thing you're gonna, for. You're, yeah, sorry. Well, you're, you're going to be at least 20 by the time you're qualified. Yeah. But that's pretty young. I mean, I, I don't think it's in spec ops. 
when we talk about now we can talk about the tier one units on both sides of the fence mm-hmm. and then we can talk about special forces i think in both of those cases you're dealing with an older group as a whole because mm-hmm. you're having to do infantry training specialty stuff you now definitely with the tier one units you're you're dealing with an older crop of guys that are super experienced um or at least very experienced and have done at least a couple of seal platoons in a regular team so by then i mean you could you figure three years if you're fast tracking two platoons in three years that's fast tracking it and on two years of training now you're talking about at least mid 20s to late 20s and so many times it's it's more platoons than that so they're looking for experience and there's only one way you get experience and that's time that's um, right yeah so yeah I, I, we're probably one of the youngest um i think the pjs may i think they PJs take, take them young they take, take, them, take them off the, yeah. um, there again it's a long pipeline pj pipeline is even longer than seals yeah they're going to be combat medics they're going to be basically paramedics on top of diving and that's another group that everybody's dive qualified pjs um so they they don't sometimes people don't think a lot about pjs i'm telling you those are some hard chargers and that's that's a really elite group um to make it through so i think i might have told this i might have said that reference this before but my last deployment i'd i'd done five rotations by then in my in my initial contract um and I met a PJ who was co-located with us, but they were doing CSAR, but we weren't doing CSAR, but they were co-located with us and I was talking to him and he was a Kentucky air guard PJ. So uh-huh. that could have had a factor into it too, but we both joined the military at the same time. And I was on my last rotation about to get out of the army. And that was his first deployment. Wow. 2009, 2009 yeah. going into 10. And that's just that's that just shows again he was a guard guy so maybe that played into it but he seemed like he was trying to get on one as soon as possible and they do like the the pjs at that time did a lot of augmenting stuff so it wasn't like if you wanted to go a pj could hook up with an active duty like team going over but that just shows how long their training is that i was wrapping up and he was just getting started right um but uh yeah i think you know in terms of the ones that require experience at this point so special army special forces traditionally required a more um well no they do because they'll take people off the street but you still have to be 21 i think 20 or 21 so you can't you can't be 17 or 18 joining the green berets you gotta at least even off the street you gotta be 20 or 21 right and uh, traditionally they had always preferred uh folks with at least one contract doing something anything I met a guy in ranger school who was a green beret in 18 Delta. And he was like a radio, like a radar repairman in mm-hmm. Korea. Mm-hmm. And then he became an 18 Delta. And I just think that's really cool. You know, yeah. I, uh, having people in an ODA with just with varied background like that, I think that's cool. And I'm, I'm vaguely, I believe that the Marine special operations component, the, the, the Marine Raiders, a little too close to Rangers Raiders, um, yeah. but um, the Raiders, I believe they require that. I don't, I don't think they take anybody off the street and I think they require one contract doing something before you can join them. So they're kind of like, you're talking about Marsoc, the Marsoc. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I really don't know much about them. They they really came on the scene after I was already out. I mean, I I know basically they're part of SOCOM, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 
Yeah, I don't know that much either. I was about to start guessing. I don't want to put out wrong information. No, but let's put it this way. You're not going from Paris Island boot camp to Marsoc. Correct. Yeah, right. you're going to do some some sort of something, not, whether it's recon, company recon, force recon, something. But Yeah, I think the it's, it sounds like the reconnaissance battalions will um, take new new guys. But I, I recently heard a podcast from, I can't remember the name, I apologize, but he, he was describing it. And it sounds like they have a lot of gates, a lot of gates yeah. in training that, that do that. We, we sort of talked about this person's next question, which was sort yeah. of the age progression. And I think you pretty much hit it. Yeah. Um, for the units where you can come in fresh, you, you know, by the time you've got like the bare minimum experience to try out for other things, you're probably in your mid, mid 20s to late 20s. And then right. for the tier one units, which again, disclaimer, neither of us were in, but we're aware that, you know, yeah. your new guys are in those groups are mid, mid-ish 20s. And yeah. then some of those guys get pretty old. They hang, right. they hang around there yeah. for a while. So there's a lot of good experience there. A lot of experience. I said, when I was there in another capacity at Dev Group, the youngest, the junior most assaulter I ever saw was at least an E5. Um, and most were E6 and chiefs as yeah. actual what we call assaulters. So that's a lot of experience. Yeah, from, from what I saw, anecdotal, but from what I saw, you weren't getting into certain units if you didn't have at least squad leader time. Right. Like um, you weren't, you weren't going to be some you know, you weren't going to be like a saw gunner and then make your way in there, but that's just what I saw. Yeah. Um, a sort of in that same vein, what issues magna, what issues or problems are magnified in young operators as they phrase a question? What, you know, so why, why, yeah. why, what are problems associated with the, the young, the young bucks? Okay. Well, for seals, um, it's a it's a combination of things it, immaturity um you, you just a young knucklehead and you're full of fire a lot of ego you haven't been got punched in the gut enough yet and you know all of this stuff works itself out if you hang with it and you know you you prove to be open to becoming a better operator it's just going to take care of itself um kind of getting the big head thinking you already know everything thinking uh these old guys don't know what they're talking about or you know you just you come in with so many like loaded things in your in your thinking that you have to kind of flush them out of your system so i think it's just um i mean it's it's a very methodical you'll grow i mean you'll either wash out or be kicked out if you're just that big a knucklehead because nobody wants to work with that person we're putting stuffed off into some little department that you're, you're not in a platoon. And we had guys at teams that nobody wanted in a platoon and they didn't do something worth worthy of being kicked out of the seals, but they were off working in the diving department, not operating or working in ordinance. <laughs> I mean, cataloging bullets and stuff like that. Um, and that's fine. Maybe they lived a happy life, but it, not everybody, once they saw, wow, this is the life of an operator. They're like, eh, I don't know if I've made the right choice and that happens quite a bit. So yeah, just, just, it takes care of itself, but it's just young, immature, big ego, um, not paying attention, 
not not really being curious and open about what other guys are telling you and you're just kind of getting bullheaded you know so that that would be basically all i would say yeah i'd, I'd agree with that and immaturity and then inexperience and those are two different things i think you're describing immaturity very well and listen the ranger regiment is full of 17 18 19 20 year olds you know i, I remember getting there and i remember getting there and my platoon sergeant was like 20 he's probably like yeah he was like mid-20s my platoon sergeant yeah was mid 20s but i thought he was ancient Right, uh, right. I'm coming in, I'm 18, and I think a 20, you know, a 25 year old platoon sergeant is ancient. You know, that, that just sort of tells you how skewed, at least in the Ranger, in the Ranger regiment, how skewed the age structure is. You know, you've got a, your sergeant majors are in their 30s. You know, that's crazy. And they, and they, if, if your platoon sergeant was ancient, you know, your, <laughs> your, your, your sergeant majors were like relics, they're like museum pieces. Right. And so, um, but the immaturity part is, it's a problem because, and in the Rangers, I, I don't know any unit that is, yeah. that is happy to kick people out as much as the, it's almost like, it's almost like we, we got something to prove. Like we're like, we want that reputation, which I'm mm -hmm. not against, but you know, when you're, when you're that young and you're, you're very excited about the work that you're doing um, and you like to go out and you like to be a, an 18, 19, 20 year old and go out and party and things. And the number of people that got kicked out for DUIs and for getting in trouble with the law, I mean, it's too many to count. Can't yeah. even count how many. And, and it, it was almost like it wasn't a matter of if dudes were going to get in trouble on the weekends. Gotcha. It was how many. Right. It yeah. was how many, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So, and it's, and it, it was so funny. It's like, you know, guys dropping like fly, over the years, guys dropping like flies. You're like, oh man uh, he got a dui that sucks and then yeah. you see him walking around and he's in regular army pt clothes because as soon as yeah. you get in trouble like they strip you of all the they're like wear your black beret um like when you get in pts you got to wear the regular army everyone else wears like all black well at the time we were the only ones that wore black tops and bottoms but so they wear like the gray tops and that just the shaming immediately yeah. um so, you know, there's, that's, that's just general immaturity. And then obviously, as Steve was extrapolating it to, that, that goes into your work, too. It goes into thinking you know what you're doing. It goes into not being open to things. It goes into, you know, and this is like a general problem, which is, you know, you think that you think maybe you're being innovative, you know, you, you've got suggestions. It's like, dude, we've seen this a million times. Yeah, right. Well, that, that's been tried a million times and failed. Um, yeah. And then from the inexperience, that's just, even if you've got your head on straight, which I like to think I was someone who was more mature. I'm not going to say I, I was, but maybe more mature than definitely the ones who got kicked out. Mm -hmm. But um, but you just can't, you can't rush experience and you can't, you can't rush wisdom. Yeah. And um you know, that's just something when you see folks, when you see folks talking about what they're going to do, or I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a ranger. And then in a couple of years later, I'm going to go do this and do that. You know, they're forgetting the part where you have to learn how to do the job and that takes time. And, yep. uh, you know, things like, Hey, pay attention to these Hills. There might be bad guys on those Hills. It's daytime. You know, mm. I learned that I, I learned that lesson the hard way. Well, I, you know, 
would I have learned that lesson if I weren't in that position or if I, if I hadn't known someone who was in that position. So I would at least heard the stories and been like, okay, check from now on when it's daytime, look at the high ground. That seems like a, that seems like a common sense thing to do. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's experience. And as we're wrapping up here, um, we just got some, someone, uh, dropped some, some books. They thought we should take a look at, cause we do that every once in a while. One was, um, uh, war by Sebastian Younger. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. One? Yeah. I, I haven't read that one. And the other one was black hearts. Uh, I got the last name Frederick. And I think that one is about, I, I hadn't looked it up, but I think that one was about, um, yeah. That, that may have been some army unit or Marine Corps unit that sort of went, went nuts. Maybe yeah. we're, we're doing bad things. Maybe we check that out. Cause that's something yeah. that's stuff we comment on every once in a while. And there was, we may come back to this one. There was a 21 year old uh, woman who asked about how should a woman prepare for buds? We might not have time to really cover this all since I'm the buds department, I guess. <laughs> um, how are women treated in buds? I do not know. This is out way after my time. I, uh, it says, do you have any advice for preparation for women? Not really. Other than I, I would just say everything I've said in the past about for a male would apply for a female. Every, every ounce I've given out. Um, like I said, I do have a book. I'm not trying to plug my book, but I do have one called surviving buds. Um, it's, a, it's an Amazon ebook, Google my name and surviving buds. It's, it's my mental game for making it through every, every suggestion I have. Um, it's only like 99 cents or something or dollar. Nice. So, you know, but that, that's what I would say for women preparing. Um, she said there were two females who both broke, broke legs in buds, pre-buds and rolled out um and she she wants to go and then another female got stress fractures i don't know what to say just be as strong as you can <laughs> a lot of calcium you're it's gonna get you it, you know it's a pounding so anything you can do to you know strengthen their supplemental ways but um i really wouldn't have because i just don't know i would really say prepare in a way uh, i would say a guy should prepare there you go we'll catch you guys next time all right.